Welcome to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> Hello, people listening. Hello. Dean and I decided to change up how we introduce the podcast, and neither of us know what the fuck to do. Just now, we just decided. We just decided before pressing record. So, hello, ear people. And eye people on YouTube. You also have ears. Hmm. Ear and eye people on YouTube. Hi. What would you rather? Have no, no vision or no, no um, ability to hear? Definitely, I'd rather be deaf. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But I would, I would bait Hove in it. I decided about a week ago that I want to learn the piano and I borrowed a keyboard off a friend. Thank you, Sean. Can you sing us the song that you've been doing? Yeah, I've, I've learned how to play Amazing Grace. Do you really want me to sing it? I have a voice like an angel. We want to keep the viewers. Amazing <laughs> Grace. You missed the How ending. sweet the sound. Don't that, go high, please. Is that the lyrics? Yeah, that's... that saved a wretch <laughs> like <should've>... me. <laughs> uh. I can keep going. So <clears throat> I've actually been singing as I'm playing because, I don't know, it just... Because Lane told you to. Well, Lane is the woman on YouTube who I'm learning the piano off. Or the electric piano, a keyboard is called. Is it? It is. An electric yeah. piano. Um, why am I talking about piano? Oh, because I'd rather be deaf than blind. Right. So I think I would continue my pursuit of learning the piano, but I would Beethoven it by like putting my head on the piano as I'm... Is that what he did? I think so. I think I need a, a history lesson, but... We went to Beethoven's old... Um, His old house, didn't old we? Old house. In Austria. We didn't go. We, we stood at the doorstep. Yeah, fine. Because we ain't paying no money to go look in someone's house. No. Apparently, so... It was in Austria. All the pianists say... Uh, Beethoven's music actually wasn't that great when you compare him to people of the 21st century. He was just great for his time, but he'd be average as fuck today. Did he also get a free pass because of his inability to hear? Because he was deaf? I don't know. Like that, who, who, did, who painted, not painted, collage? Who did Icarus? Who did Icarus? Yeah. Which, the documentary? Which, no, 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 no. The famous artist. The man who flew too close to the sun. It's a collage that was done by like a... I don't know, a Picasso or one of those guys. But he was on his deathbed, I think from something like syphilis. I could be just making all of this up. But okay. As far as I know, <laughs> he was on his deathbed, right? Okay. And this was his last piece of art that he did, which was a collage of a very poorly cut out black silhouette okay. with a very poorly cut out red heart okay. and extremely poorly cut out stars. And he stuck it all on a page that's worth millions. Really? Yeah. And um, I need to warm up my scissors. I did art class in grade 11. Yeah. Try and get an easy mark. Yeah. And I wrote a review on it and gave it a flat out F and said it was horrendous and that a child at preschool could do better. And my teacher tried to fail me because she said, you can't do that. Well, it's an opinion piece. It was an opinion piece. And I I argued the toss and got a uh, pass one. Did you? Yeah, it was garbage. Anyway. Well, uh, you can't fail someone on their subjective opinion. Yeah, I don't even know how you can say that art is good or bad because it seems very subjective. Mm. Look at me talking about things I don't know about as if oh, I'm <laughs> I have my pinky up in the air for those just listening as I'm drinking my coffee. I clearly have authority on the subject. <laughs> you clearly do. You clearly Maybe we do. should talk about something that we actually know about. All right. Maybe I should start singing again. Would you guys stick around? I wouldn't. <laughs> if I wasn't stuck up against this wall, I'd be out. <laughs> I think like I can learn the piano and I can like build on various skills, but my singing is that horrendous that I think no amount of singing lessons or practice could even get me to average. 
So I just embrace my shit voice. Like I'm literally not even embarrassed because I'm like, there's nothing I can do about it. You That's can definitely like, get better though. But it's like me hating my height. Like, what are you going to do? You know, just embrace it. Wear clogs. Like not me. Not clogs. clogs. Clogs don't give you height. Clogs, like, heels. Yeah, wedges. Wedges. Zebra shaped, zebra fucking <laughs> printed wedges. You should wear those. You ones. love them. My favorite shoes. Oh. Um, all right. So, Dean. Yes, Liz. What's happening with you lately, mate? I started dieting. Mm-hmm. How lucky for you. Oh. I um, I started dieting four weeks ago, I think it was. But you don't get cranky until you're extreme, until like a week or two before the comp. So when you say how lucky for me, honestly, it's been fine. Hmm. You've not been cranky. I mean, just more so from the fact that we have less uh, opportunity. Oh, we don't go out to dinner on Saturday night. Anymore. Yeah. yeah, or tacos on Tuesdays. Well, I eat them by myself. You eat them by yourself, yeah. I um, mean, yeah, so that's what's new to me. Been dieting four weeks, down about six kilos. Um, What's the diet for? Dieting for the state shows and national shows for IFBB Pro League in Australia, uh, which will be in October and then again in November for the nationals down north. Why are you starting so early? Because my bulk, I don't want to call that, my growth season, my push, uh-huh. went for six months and my food got up to 1,000 grams of carbs a day. Mm-hmm. And what was that? It was nearing on 6,000 cows. Every day. And I was just so full all the time and I was super fatigued. The accumulation of fatigue from both training, supplementation, food just got me. Mm. We went into a maintenance period and then we were intending to go back up again and push again for another little growth phase before this uh, period of prep. We is you and your coach. Me and the coach, mm-hmm. Mr. Joe, Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I said, I can't handle it. Yeah. You were just full I could, I just don't time. think it would have actually profited me much muscle because I don't think it would have, I don't think I would have like assimilated nutrients well and all that jazz. I don't think training would have been as good. So we're like, why not diet for like an eight week period first, get pretty lean, mm-hmm. then rebound for a month or two or month and a half. And when you say rebound? So put food back to maintenance, slight surplus, try mm-hmm. and gain a little bit of tissue when you're more susceptible to doing so because you're one excited by it, food tastes good, sensitive to the nutrients going into the tissue. Training's had a bit of a break because I'm only on four days a week, so five. Um, subs would go back in, that would give me more growth and then just diet for the last 12 weeks. So it'll be kind of like prep in three phases. Phase one will be fat loss, phase two will be growth, phase three will be fat loss. Hmm. What kind of four phases? Because you've been growing for months before oh, yeah. this mini cut. So yeah. grow for a long period of time, cut for a short period of time, grow short. Yeah, that is a good lesson actually for people. The growth phase for six months. Yeah, well, yeah. when we had um, Brandon Kempter on, was it two episodes ago? He mentioned his two to one ratio of growing to cutting so time spent in a growth phase should at least be double what you spend in yeah. a cut phase at least yeah um so yeah, that's yeah well, I'm, I'm 37 weeks in and only four weeks into dieting so i spent essentially 33 weeks in some form of a surplus mm-hmm. so it was actually longer than six months it was eight months mm. but the last two months were like somewhere between a, a really heavy surplus and a light surplus to maintenance so yeah eight months of that and my total dieting period, I think, will end up being about 18 weeks. So let's call that four months. Mm. So it's two to one. Yeah. And that is because growing muscle is slow, very yes. fucking slow. And there's not a lot you can do to accelerate it. Like, sure, you can take some drugs. You can look at training volume, mm. improve your nutrition, your sleep. But, like, even with all of that ticked off, it's a slow process. Um, whereas fat loss is relatively fast. Yeah. Well, mm. you can control the speed a little bit more, too. Yeah, that's true. Mm. What about you? You can. Well, the piano is what about me? You've become a penis. The, a, a pianist. Pe- pianist. No, let's go with penis. I like that better. Um, I want that on my business card. 
I'm a penis. Nutrition coach and penis. Um, what else is new is the Flex Success book, Untangling Fat Loss, is now live. Yeah. As of about two weeks ago, which I'm so happy about because the book was, it was a real, um, real joy to write because I think that readers are going to get a lot from it, not just the individual person trying to figure out how fat loss works and make the process easier, make the process sustainable, make the process tastier, but also for coaches out there trying to find simpler ways to explain things to their clients because um, there's nothing groundbreaking in the book. Everything that's there is the coaches should already know. Well, Mm. I hope they already know because it's the (laughs) fundamentals of fat loss. But um, I've already had coaches reach out to me saying like, I'm loving this particular section of the chapter because I was having a hard time explaining it to my client and now they get it and, and blah, blah, blah. And if we look at the um, types of clients that we attract at Flex, the biggest slice of the pie are other coaches. And we love coaching other coaches because there's a ripple effect. We're not just helping one person. We're helping one person understand things better and, you know, build habits and practices that they can pass on to their clients. Mm. So, yeah, I, I just, I feel a big sense of accomplishment releasing the book, knowing that so many coaches are going to be reading it and passing that knowledge onto their clients. Yeah. But yeah, it's not just the coaches. It's not. It's not just the coaches. <laughs> I think the best thing about it is the application side of it too, though. Because mm. like, there's so many books out there that teach people theory, but it's like the actual applied nature right. of it is like, you know, what can we do with low and high energy density versus nutrient density? How should we distribute our food? And why would we have more like bigger meals or more snacks? And all that jazz. All that jazz. So I've been very busy with the book, Dean. Mm. And um, so it's it's a very expensive price of $27.95. Oh, watch out. (laughs) But if you need a discount code, you can use... uh, Let's make something up. Hairy nipple 69. That's way too long. No one wants to type that in. Sorry. What about pianist? Who? <laughs> All right. Well, this podcast is how to be less shit. Okay. If if you would like, let's call it shit twenty. A, a twenty. What's the opposite of a discount? What about? I don't know. An inc- a price increase. I if you'd like a twenty percent price increase, just type in Harry Nickel sixty nine, and you can pay twenty percent more. I wish we could do that. <laughs> can you? Can you please make that a discount code, but a uh, reverse discount code? It doesn't work. If you would like to donate you to the Flex Holiday Fund and pay you 20%, <laughs> can you do it? No, you can't. Ah, so. Maybe we'll figure out a way, guys. Try here in Nipple 69. But what about people that actually want a discount? Should we give? Yeah, we'll give them one. What? I mean, shit 20. <laughs> shit 20. The book is 27.95. How much cheaper do you want it? I spent months of my life on this thing. You can't even pay $30. I'm going to make you a code. You cheap bastards. I'm going to make a code. I'm going to call it shit 20. Okay. And it's going to be valid. 20, 20 cents off. To when? End of this month? All right. End of this month. May. Which is May. May 2021. Shit 20 for 20% off. Four letter word. That's easy. We need to discuss whether we're giving a discount on the book before you start the podcast and say no, it mate, It's done. Shit 20. <laughs> what the fuck? What if I don't want to discount the book because it's worth it? <laughs> Maybe I'll call it Dean 20. Whatever. Try shit any shit twenty <laughs> Dean twenty get twenty percent off the book because fucking Dean opens his mouth before we talk about it. Shit twenty. Whatever. Well, don't use the discount code because the book is worth. Yeah, if you really want to be nice, just buy it. Buy the goddamn book, people. We should do that. Um, What's it? Sam Harris. You know. Sam Harris. He's saying it. Like, oh. yeah, my podcast. So if you want to want to listen to the full podcast, go to my Patreon, pay for the full. But if you truly cannot afford it, just email us and let us know. We'll give it to you cheaper. But we're going to say the same. If you can afford $27.95, find the damn book. 
If you can't use shit 20. If you can't 20. use shit 20 in the month of May. <laughs> After that, we don't care if you're broke. <laughs> Your problem. Not mine. Um, shit happens. <laughs> shit does happen. Yeah. Now, Dean, mm. let's uh, move on and talk about the topic of the podcast today, which I believe is meal plans versus macro tracking. Yes. Which is better? Definitely macro tracking. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not true. Let's start with the definition. Would you like to define what we mean by macro tracking and what we mean by following a nutrition plan? Sure. I feel like it's self-explanatory, but someone who would be macro tracking would be given an allocation of the macronutrients, protein, carbs, fats, potentially fiber, but you'd have to be neurotic as fuck to give a number for that. Let's say a greater than number and calories. And then they're going to choose what foods they like to distribute across the day, the week. It could be per meal changes, be whatever. You just got to hit your macronutrients at the end of the day by tracking it within an app. Is that a fair explanation? Dean, you've had clients in the past that are tech tards that have used like an Excel spreadsheet. I still have a, an old an client of mine who doesn't use an Excel spreadsheet. He goes onto NutTab and gets labels and writes it in a handbook. Why? Why make life harder for yourself? This guy's an engineer. Can I name him? I think I know who it is. Yeah. He's a legend. Pete. Is it Pete? It is Pointer. Hey, Peter. I've, for um, years I've tried to get him to use MyFitnessPal or something. And he's like, no, nah, I, like, I like the book. He's such a smart man. Why would he? Because he'll, he'll follow a meal plan. Okay. But if he wants to trade something out, instead of putting it into MFP, he'd rather just do it manually. Because <laughs> it's like one meal swap. Sure, whatever. So, yeah. Mm, so. And then a meal plan would be exactly that. Someone gives you a list of foods organized in some form of a meal across the day, one, two, three, four, five meals, whatever their Breakfast, preference Breakfast, lunch, is. dinner, snacks, whatever. Um, and they're going to say, eat that. Mm-hmm. And you just follow it accordingly without mm-hmm. any modifications, except for maybe there might be some trade-ins and trade-outs of vegetables or something. Mm-hmm. Now, it would be impossible for Dean or I to say one is better than the other. Well, I just did. I guess, <laughs> no, I guess it's like saying this is the best phone plan. Like, what are you using? This is the best car. Like, do you have a family? Are you going off-road? It's too contextual. So we're going to kind of unwrap in what circumstance or context might one be appropriate, might one be not appropriate, and where they can kind of overlap or find a middle ground. Yeah. Mm. I think they interestingly both have pros. Both their pros are also their cons and their cons are their pros. Yeah, I guess Depending on the person. Yeah. Now, I would say that... um, I was going to say the best place to start is always macro tracking, but I don't really think that. It's such a tricky one because it, it depends asterisks a lot. Now, for somebody that is interested in keeping a calorie-controlled diet, which would be anyone that wants to manage their body weight, they first need to figure out how many calories more or less they need to eat and what calories foods have. And so macro tracking can be a really important tool in understanding that process and learning. Mm. Now, some people might be eating like, avocado, salmon, olives, um, what's another high-fat food, nuts, seeds, because it's healthy. But once they start macro tracking, they're like, Jesus, there's, so this is such a calorie-dense food. I No wonder I was gaining weight even though I was eating, quote-unquote, healthy. Um, so they might realize that those foods need to be consumed with much more portion control, whereas they can eat way more, I don't know, insert yeah. lower energy-dense food here, potato or broccoli or something. So it could be a good place to start for some people, but why I think macro tracking isn't a good place to start for everyone is because as Dean explained, macro tracking means you've given macros to fill for the day, protein, carbs, and fats. And if someone does not have established routine, 
or doesn't have good nutrition habits, they might be filling their macros with poor quality foods, which means they're consuming inadequate micronutrients, vitamins and minerals, um, and their fiber consumption is also low, which has other implications like to digestion and bowel movements, maybe gas and bloating, things like that. Um, so that is why just counting macros might not be a good place to start, but might also be a good place to start. The best place for someone to start is, I would think, already having established habits of consuming enough fruit and vegetables. There's our five and two, five non-starchy veg and, and two fruit. Um, already having protein in each main meal, and then the next step might be macro tracking. Mm. They might want to adjust what carbohydrate sources they're using to increase or decrease their total daily carbohydrate consumption. Um, and then there's no need to micromanage how much fiber you're eating because we know that fiber comes from plant food. And if you're already hitting your um, minimum daily fruit and veg targets and there's other sources of fiber, maybe like oats and beans or you know, whatever yeah. nuts in there as well, you're going to, by virtue of eating those things, be hitting fiber. So we don't need to micromanage that. But um, we, can, we can think of like the old school IIFYMers, which stands yeah. for if it fits your macros, you can eat if it fits your macros that eat like pop tarts and just drink shakes to hit their protein and then have psyllium husk to hit fiber. Oh God. They don't get it. Did you imagine? Um, anyways, I feel like I've been rambling on for a while. Do you want to interject? Yeah. So I, I think um, whether you go for the macro approach or the meal plan approach, like most things in like dieting or any kind of intervention, even with exercise or anything like that, it kind of works on a continuum in that if you want to have sustainable uh, body composition results, but in a as flexible manner possible in that you can live your life relatively similar to how you're currently living it. Same social groups, still eating out, having a little bit more freedom in food choice. There's going to be a point in time where you need to at least learn what is in food, e.g. macro tracking, mm. in order for you to make informed choices. Yeah. Uh, but I think also that if you just want to get a non-sustainable result and you don't want to have to think and you don't want to have to learn, then a meal plan potentially is better because it's just a plug and play. And you let the, the coach or the person who's aware, I was going to say the smart person, but I knew that was, I was going <laughs> to the client's not the smart person. I was going to bunny, bunny rabbit is the smart person, but the person who at least understands macronutrients can just guide you through to the goal. However, you learn nothing. Yeah. Um, so you need to kind of choose where you're currently at now, where you want to be, and then whether or not you want that goal at the end to be sustainable. And if you want to take some of the stuff you'll learn mm. and then continue it on through life. Yeah. So like to, to throw some examples, contest prep athletes for me, sometimes they just want to go, Hey, I just want to follow a diet, get the result. And they, they're robotic. Cause they're so exhausted already. Yeah. But they're also a road. They're potentially a robotic person and they have a very extreme goal that they hopefully know when they come to us, at least that this is a non-sustainable result and they're going to have to at least manage their food coming out of it. Yeah. Cause they're just getting on stage as lean as they can yeah. get for one day and they know they can't keep that. But average Joe over the here, who's had issues with body composition and food for a lifetime. They obviously currently don't understand the dynamics of how much, what, when, why, and how and why yeah. about food. So there's going to be some learning to that. Now, we can definitely teach people through diet plans on what we classify to be a healthful or nutrient-rich diet looks like. Healthful. Yeah. Okay. You can unpick that maybe. I don't know. Um, when I say healthful, I really just mean micronutrient-dense um, 
supportive diverse, of energy and sleep and recovery. Diverse and, all the rest of it, yeah. And we could kind of say, like, you know, if you do this most of the time and have some indulgence some of the time, you'll probably have a sustainable result. Mm. But again, it's a continuum. It's like, how much do you want to get off? How long do you want to keep it off for? Is it sustainable? Does it suit your lifestyle? How do you manage hunger? So the more control you want as an individual, probably at some point you're going to have to learn at least what's in food via some form of macro tracking. Yeah. Um, but if you just want a very quick result without having to think, mm-hmm. although not advised, in my opinion, um, you probably just go uh, the meal plan route. Yeah. Maybe I'll give an example of that. So uh, shout out to John, one of my clients. Hi, John. <laughs> John has been on board for a little while now and is a very busy man. Maybe opening up a gym. He runs a, a, a smart home tech company, yeah. I believe. In his check-in today, he said to me he's been really busy because he's been signing a lease for a commercial gym space. I was like, the dude's what? You're opening up a gym? I don't know if this is meant to be public knowledge, so he might get his ass on a plane and come to the Gold Coast and slap me. But very exciting news, John. So John's been on meal plans because he's a really busy guy and he just hasn't or doesn't yet want to prioritize. He's got children as well and a wife. So they're his priorities, not taking the time to learn how to macro track and swap foods around because it is more time consuming. Um, But he's going on a holiday soon. And I don't think it's realistic for me to expect him to never eat out or never swap foods around or, you know, not eat what his wife buys from the supermarket to bring back to their Mm -hmm. accommodation. Although he has booked something with a kitchen facility. So what I've said to him is this is a great opportunity to, to macro track. So when you eat out, and we can discuss the, the boundaries around that because it's not like every meal. He's getting on stage soon enough, by the way, which is why yeah. we're having some tighter boundaries. Um, when you do eat out, I still would expect you to estimate the macronutrients of your meal and make sure that you're hitting a minimum protein target and a maximum, you're not exceeding your calorie budget for the day. Mm. Um, or if you do, then you can take it off the next day. And there's also some boundaries around that as well. So just because a meal plan might be more appropriate for a person because, you know, that's just their circumstances right now, it's nice to be able to do both. So you can ebb and flow between the two, depending on if you're on holidays, how frequently you want to eat out. You know, maybe you need to be quite strict because you do have some event or some deadline coming up. Mm. Um, Yeah, I mean, the meal plan is quite Mm short-sighted, realistically. Yes, it's literally a plug and play, no question, no thought, and no um. A lot of thought from the coach. Yeah, well, hopefully. This is the other thing, though. This is one of the, the cons of a diet plan is that if you're following a diet plan from a coach who has zero fucks about your uh, long-term health and they're just choosing three or four foods, then that is teaching you absolutely nothing, if not teaching you really poor food behavior. Yeah. Because they remove the diversity and fear of diversity being a... Um, a factor of the diet that may inhibit the results, which we know just won't. Well, some coaches think like, I don't know, um, fruit has too much sugar and sugar makes you fat. Like absolute ludicrous ideas and they should mm. have their coach title stripped from them. Can we, um, I want to, I just want to jump on that for a second. Yes, Dean. So everyone fears fructose, right? Because people are like, but don't you have a certain, a smaller reserve of fructose available to you? Yes. However, the fructose, like the storage of fructose within the liver is still fairly abundant when you think about dietary intake of fructose. So we're talking like somewhere between say 40 to 60 grams of glycogen are stored within the liver, depending on the size of the human. Now, if... Glycogen being stored, stored carbohydrates. carbohydrates. Specifically within the liver. 
Mm-hmm. The liver is responsible for pushing sugars out in the absence of food-based sugars. So you eat sugar, it goes into the bloodstream, that'll control blood sugar levels. When they go low, your liver is responsible then to drop sugar into the system to keep you healthy and moving forward, function. So that's what that reservoir of, of glycogen is there for in the liver. 50 to 60 grams, 40 mm-hmm. to 60 grams. So right? carbohydrates are stored in skeletal muscle and yes. liver. Yeah. And then obviously also within the blood, but you wouldn't classify it typically as storage because it, again, comes and goes. Yeah. Now, depending on the fruit you consume will depend on the fructose content. And how ripe the fruit is. And how ripe it is. There's a few things that will <laughs> change it. But an average fair thing to say is that roughly 50% of the sugar in most fruits is fructose, mm-hmm. right? Let's take one of the highest carbohydrate-based fruits that we can consume, banana. 20 grams of carbs per 100. An average banana, 100 to 120 grams. Maximum amount of fructose getting, 10 grams. So even if... We're always choosing the highest fructose fruit. Yeah, and eating six of them a day. Yes. You're only just sort of getting to the level where you like maybe spill over a little bit. Mm. Now, should you spill over... And that fructose eventually... Then you're dead. Too bad. Yeah, you're, you're dead. You're dead. It goes over. It eventually gets converted into <laughs> fatty acid. And death by seven bananas. Can you imagine? <laughs> and stored. If you're in a calorie deficit, you're now going to pull that previously stored fat from the overconsumption of fructose and you're going to liberate that and use it as fuel. Mm. Long and the short of it is, is you're not fucking going to get fat eating fructose. No. How you will get fat eating fructose is if you drink a lot of sugar carbonated drinks or foods that are uh, filled up with high fructose corn syrup which might give you the equivalent, like one can might give you the equivalent of four bananas. Mm-hmm. And if you have three cans a day, you're fucked. And you're not you fucked still, still should fucked. be eating fruit on top of that. Yeah, so anyway, you can eat an abundance of fruit mm-hmm. and it's never ever going to be a problem. Yep. That's the long and the short of it. So fructose if you ever hear a coach, fruit. Yeah, ever hear a coach say fructose is bad, kick them in the poop hole. I mean, I love that clients ask questions because they should be understanding um, the process and they should be learning from their coach. A co- like somebody that writes a meal plan is someone that writes a meal plan. They're not a coach. A coach is someone that teaches a client and guides them. And um, so ask your coach why they're doing things. And if they can't answer the question, maybe it's time to reconsider. Mm. Yep. Cause the coach should know why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. So let's go a couple of like pros and cons then of yeah, the flexible approach or macro tracking versus meal plan. Okay. Pro of meal plan. Pro of meal plan. It's, not time expensive. It's mm-hmm. quick. You already know what you're going to eat. You can go to the supermarket and buy exactly this many grams of whatever. Yep. So actually less food wastage potentially. Too. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe less. Un- unless, you know, you've got to have 300 grams of cucumber and then come in 200 gram allotments, like each, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we aren't going to get a little bit over overbearing about an extra 100 grams of cucumber across the world. Some people don't understand, yeah. like an extra 100 grams of peanut butter, a huge deal. Yeah. An extra 100 grams of um, cucumber, not a big deal. But how all. would you know that? If you're a macro tracker, you would know that because you know it's in your food. You knock that out. Yeah. So, yeah. sorry, what was the question? No, so, yeah, the, one of the, the pros, pros of, of meal plan. plan is that it's fast, fast, simplicity, easy to know what to purchase. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one would be consistency of like data feedback. You're going to have yep. less frequent, less, sorry, less frequency, less uh, variation in weigh ins. Yep, because you're eating the same food, the same sodium, yep. maybe a typical time of day you'll be eating. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe less variation in energy because it's all the same. Yeah. Less variation in digestibility because it's all the same. Mm-hmm. So, everything should be like pretty consistent with a meal plan. Mm hmm. Uh, any other pros? Don't have to think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why I like them. I can't think of any other pros, but I think there's some pretty big ones. Like we're not against meal plans. We're just against them as 
a crutch. Mm. I, I don't th- mean like, like between your legs crutch. I mean like... <laughs> yeah. Like the body for sure <laughs> thrives on consistent feedback mm. and consistent stimulus. Like mm-hmm. you do something rep- in a repeated nature, it gets better at it, right? Adaptation. Um, it's the same. Like you do a bench press once a week, you do it three times a week, you get better at bench pressing. And it's mm-hmm. a sort of the same with food. If you keep smacking it with the same stimulus, it's going to get better and better and better at processing. If it's the right stimulus. Yes. Yeah. So like a meal plan for sure, like I think for an athletic population, is, is likely going to, let's say contest prep, not necessarily athletic, is likely going to achieve a more consistent result, not necessarily a better result, because you can still do it flexibly and do it well. But um, I think consistency is good for a meal plan. Mm, yeah. Now let's talk about some of the cons. Lack of flexibility. Yeah. So if somebody runs out of the vegetable that's on their meal plan, what are they going to do? Yeah. An inability to um, maintain the same caloric intake while swapping foods without knowing what's in them. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like someone's like, oh, I ran out of barramundi, so I'm just going to have salmon. It's fish. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah completely different micro, uh, macronutrient profiles. Way higher in fat, mm-hmm. similar enough protein. Or even something but- as simple as like going from um, like a potato. To like, rice. Oh, I'll swap my 200 grams of potato for 200 grams of rice. No, you cannot yeah. do that. Yep. Yeah. So there's that, that factor of it. Um, another con would be a lack of education. Mm-hmm. Um, lack of autonomy. Lack of autonomy. And feeling like you're in control. Yep. Which is important. A lack of social uh, interaction. Not social interaction. You mean like you're not able to go out and have dinner with your friend and know As how freely. to work that into your meal plan. Yeah. Yep. Or if you're following a meal plan, you don't go out at all. Yeah. Total you know? social isolation. Yeah. Uh, what else? Some people would argue boredom. The, the repetition of a meal is boring. Mm, palate fatigue. Yeah. I mean, if the nutrition plan isn't set up appropriately and you're repeating that inappropriate meal plan over and over again, mm. you're just welcoming nutrient deficiencies. And also this... Uh, one thing I will say, the caveat here is a meal plan doesn't have to be tasteless or boring. No, of course not. You know, so some people would say, I hate meal plans because I don't want to eat chicken and rice today. Mm. Well, it doesn't have to be chicken and rice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, have, I do have some clients on meal plans because they're definitely not inappropriate for everyone. Um, and they're probably more appropriate at first while the person is learning about nutrition and then they can transition from a nutrition plan onto yeah. a more flexible approach like tracking macros, for example. It doesn't have to be. There's some in-betweens which we can talk about for as sure. well. Um, sorry, what was your point? I've lost my train of thought. Uh, these were cons of, of meal plans. No, what was the last con that you gave? Boredom. Oh, boredom. Right. So even if you are on a meal plan, some of the meal plans I write for my clients give a, a calorie allotment for them to use at their discretion. They're creatively called discretionary calories. So somebody might have a meal plan and it'll say, you know, 150 grams of any protein that's 5% fat or less. And we give a list of what that might be and whatever. So there's some flexibility within that. Within these boundaries, you can choose these foods and blah, blah, blah. And then they might have 200 discretionary calories a day to give to more fruit or add QP mayonnaise to their lunch or chocolate or whatever, like a, yeah. a cappuccino and a muesli, whatever, whatever you want. Cup of so, tea. A cup of tea, love. <laughs> um, speaking of which, I have drunk a lot of coffee during this podcast. Okay. Maybe we can uh, pause a reno. <laughs> Sure. Ah, that's better. <laughs> uh, thanks for pausing, Dean. Right. I guess like the last point on this before we move on mm-hmm. is um, people are free to use their calories at their discretion, but 
if they're in a dieting phase, likely feeling quite hungry, it would be wise of them to use their discretion and calories on foods that help them manage their hunger a little bit better. So they might want to use low energy dense food, like more fresh fruit, more starches, Ooh. something like that. Um, Cause typically non-starchy veg is fairly unlimited for our clients. So yeah. But this is kind of like a modification of the meal plan too. This is kind of like a meal plan. Yeah. 2.0. I guess I'm thinking about some middle grounds here. Because we've recognized and noticed a lot of the time that the restrictive nature of a full-blown meal plan where it's just follow this, do not go off the plan is unsustainable. And doesn't lead to high adherence. And people end up feeling like they're failing and it reduces their confidence in their ability to be successful. Mm. Uh, And that helps nobody when they have low confidence. So I guess we're trying to, when a meal plan is appropriate, find a middle ground to help people increase enjoyment, um, increase flexibility, increase feelings of autonomy um, to improve their chances of being adherent and feeling successful. Yeah. So maybe we'll we'll go over the pros and cons of the macro tracking and then maybe you might step people through like how you'd go about whether someone starts on a meal plan, then the progression of that perhaps just to give people like contextually how that might work. It's like someone comes on board, they get given a meal plan that's like semi-flexible like that, where you choose from food groups uh-huh. and then we tighten the reins. They get a little bit more specific as they're doing that. They learn some macros, so on and so on. Yeah. It's a difficult one to answer though, Dean, because every, not every client does start on a meal plan. Or, no, I understand that. Yeah, mm, It's so client dependent. Like some people never have a meal plan or track macros. We just work on, improving nutrition habits, looking at plate planning, for example. Well, I guess this is the whole so point, right, is we're giving people the pros difficult. and cons of them yeah. so that they can make an, uh, an educated choice around which way they think would be most beneficial and potentially then sustainable for the long term. Yeah. So, the whole point so I don't podcast. really have like a, a general process. Like people start here, then move there because, yeah, it depends on the person. Maybe you can take us through um, some of the pros of macro tracking. Have we done that already? No, we have not. Pros of macro tracking. I think the greatest pro of macro tracking is lies within how you become a macro counter, which is the education around food and what what is included within each food group and food types and whatnot. When you say food group, are you talking about grains or are you talking about carbs or something? Carbs, probably carbs, proteins, and all the rest of it. Like you know, so macronutrient groups. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like yeah, you, whether you choose chicken breast, chicken thigh, white fish, red fish, or whatnot, you start to get a really good idea about what's in each of those primary protein sources Mm -hmm. because not all protein sources just protein but rather they might be protein and fat or protein and carbs yeah what would be protein and carbs (laughs) that's a good question maybe whey protein tofu yeah Uh, so okay so for sure like vegetarian vegan options are going to be protein carb because definitely tofu um but are they still you know tofu is still primary protein so yeah you're right or beans are protein and carbs but primary carb still yeah, still mostly carbs, but yeah. it still would significantly contribute to your protein for consumption sure. for the day. Yeah. yeah. But if we're saying typical protein sources, therefore meaning that they've got the majority of the macronutrient is protein, what's mm-hmm. well, the secondary macronutrient? For the most part, protein fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If you're talking about animal protein. Yeah. I think that's the best. It's the education behind what is in food. Mm-hmm. Uh, next pro for me would then be the flexibility of choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that be that you choose different food each time, whether it be that you follow a meal plan nine times out of 10 and then you have one meal where you trade it out and, and practice, uh, or if it's a five-day week meal plan followed by a weekend of practicing, whatever it is, you choose because you have the flexibility to do so. Yeah. Uh, and that flexibility obviously leads into autonomy. 
gives people back the control over their own food, which I really like. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also a very good education uh, period for both the coach and the client to learn what your, uh, well, let's say natural choices are. Or what your, no, let's not say natural. Let's say learned choices. Mm -hmm. What your learned choices around food are. Like, what do you go for in times of stress and hunger and uh -huh. fatigue and when you're emotional and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Can I throw in a couple of pros of macro tracking? For sure. Um, the two that I'm thinking of are when we're eating to a meal plan, you stop eating when your meal is finished. Mm -hmm. You start eating when it's lunchtime. When you're macro tracking, for the most part, you can decide how hungry you are. This is if you're kind of like eating on the fly to macros, deciding what to eat. Let's say it's breakfast time and you're starving that morning. You might want to use more of your macros, more of your carbs, fats, and proteins for breakfast to try and satisfy your hunger. Then lunch might come around. You're not really hungry at all. So you might just hit your minimum requirements, veg and protein. And then you've got whatever you've got remaining for dinner. So you, you can listen to your hunger signals um, and rate your hunger. Google the hunger scale from intuitive eating people. And you can decide before the meal how hungry you are, therefore how much food to put on your plate. Yep. And if you have an idea of macronutrients, it can also guide what foods you put on your plate. Because if I'm not very hungry, but you know it's dinner time and I've got all this food left, I probably want to choose rice because I don't have to eat a lot of it to get in a significant amount of carbohydrates. But if I'm really hungry and I don't have much carbs left, it's the last meal of the day, maybe I do want to choose pumpkin because mm -hmm. uh, I'm only getting in seven grams of carbs for 100 grams of pumpkin versus like 36 grams of carbs for 100 grams of rice mm -hmm. at cooked weight. Uh, so I quite like that. And the second thing that I like about it is um, it can help people reduce their feelings of restriction and get over binge eating. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what it did for me at least. I, I remember doing a couple of preps. This is back in the bodybuilding days. And I was on, my coach at the time gave me a strict meal plan and he was like, you can only eat broccoli and chicken and spinach oh. and white fish. Um, and it, I, I knew nothing about nutrition at the time. I just did as my, my coach said. And what that did, those feelings of restriction did for me is um, really helped me to, helped me develop a poor relationship. Help is mm. probably the wrong word. Mm. It encouraged a poor relationship with food where I put food into good foods and bad foods. And um, if I eat this, I am good. If I eat that, I am bad. Classic orthorexia. Um, and willpower and motivation only last so long. And once comp prep was over, I still thought about food in that way but I no longer had the threat of public humiliation, getting up on stage fat to, to stop me eating quote unquote bad foods. And so I developed a binge eating disorder and moving to macro tracking helped me realize four squares of chocolate does not blow the calorie budget. Mm -hmm. And I can eat four squares of chocolate and still eat all the fruit and veg that I need and get in the protein that I need and have no feelings of guilt whatsoever because I have not exceeded my calorie intake, my diet as a whole, is full of good quality foods, what's four squares of chocolate? It just satisfies a craving. So for me, it helped me get over binge eating. Um, but I know for other people, when they start macro tracking, they become so obsessive over it and they weigh every gram of carrot and can't eat out because they don't know the exact macros of their meals. So it can also encourage these like obsessiveness, obsessive behaviors in people as well. Mm. So we just need to be careful to use tools in the right way right tool for the right job right tool for the right job as old broad said when all you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail
Mm, that's true. Yeah, the um, the flexible approach certainly gives you back the opportunity of choice, right? Which is what I like about it. And because you have the opportunity of choice, e.g., you can choose whatever food you'd like to eat at that time. You can choose whether or not you go hungry. You can choose whether or not you go for a hyperpalatable food or something that's a little bit more satiating and less uh, palatable, whatever it may be. It gives you back the opportunity of choice. And that, for me, I found quite psychologically relieving in that whenever I go through a diet phase, I never really feel like I need a need or want a particular food. I just want more food because hungry. I'm hungry. Um, but I never feel restricted in my choices. I just have to show restraint, which mm. we've talked about too. The difference between that diet plan versus a flexible plan or at least having the opportunity for flexibility is that you learn to have restraint and it's your choice how you do that as opposed to being told that you have to restrict. Mm. And that it's again, it's the good and bad approach. I mean, restriction and restraint just sounds like semantics, but it's really not at all. Because no. restriction was what my previous comp prep coach had me on. Like, you are restricted to this plan. Whereas restraint says, you are free to eat whatever you want, but you are choosing not to. You are showing restraint. You can. And by macro tracking, you now understand what it means in practice when you then do go and say, I am going to have the chocolate. Yeah, if I eat a whole block. It's an informed choice. Yeah, you know? if I do eat a whole block, which maybe fits within my daily calories, I'm left with just chicken breast or white fish and non-starchy veg for the rest of the day because all of my calories were consumed in those few mouthfuls. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it. I can if I want to, but I know the consequences. Yeah. And I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, I think it really uh, allows you to have malleability in your diet and then also in your thought process, provided you don't become neurotic with the counting. Mm. Because it is absolutely not the case that if you eat 10 grams too much rice, that your results will not occur. Like that's just not the reality. Like we no. make, even, even if you said you were a neuronic, neurotic, neurotic, I said neuronic, yeah, neurotic uh, macro tracker that did everything to the T and I want to be within two grams of each macronutrient, the likelihood is you're still five or 10 out anyway because you can't do it. Like you don't know. Maybe your food scales are a bit off. Yeah, like there's so much variability in the state there, but it just, it, it at least gives you the opportunity of choice, mm. which I like. Totes and goats. Mm. Goat, it. not a meat I've eaten a lot of. I don't think I've ever eaten goat. I think I've had goat stew. I've had, no, you've had camel stew. I had camel stew. stew. Tell Delicious. the people about your camel stew. I had camel stew at a, uh, what do they call it? A Brazilian churrasco. 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 Yeah, it was good. It was really yeah. soft. It wasn't gamey at all either. For Dean's birthday, I organized a dinner and it was a really big work day for him. And I think he'd eaten like a couple of meals at best. Mm. Um, and he was maybe 20 or 30% of the way through his daily calories. He had a lot of food to eat. So I chose churrasco because it's unlimited food, particularly unlimited proteins. Um, and because this, the place I chose was in Surfer's Paradise, which is the armpit of the Gold Coast. <laughs> yeah, if you holiday here, please don't go there. Don't go. Go to like Burley, Mermaid, Corumban. It has to be south of from Broad Beach and South. Yeah, Broad Beach and South. I would yeah. agree with that. Anywhere up to the New South Wales border. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. So because this place was in Surfer's Paradise and Surfer's is a tourist-heavy place, I think they used, they had crocodile on the menu as well. They used some Australian meats to try and attract tourists, I think. Mm. So how was your camel true. stew? Mate, it was honestly delicious. Mm. Do it again. Mm. I'd do that again before I do pork throat again. Pork throat. Oh. That was yapping. Oh, yuck. Yeah. Uh, anything else to follow no, to, um, thanks. to wrap this up on how to be less shit tip? Okay, let's give a how to be less shit tip. Before deciding whether 
you are going to follow a meal plan or track macros or do some sort of modified version like the discretionary calories or food groups that we spoke about within meal plans or decide what's best for your client. Think about what stage are they up to? What yeah. issues are they dealing with? How much time do they have to give? Um, what are their knowledge gaps? And go from there. Because neither is right or wrong. They just have pros and cons. It would be just as ridiculous, like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, to say, what is the best car? Like, what are their needs? You yeah. Know, there's, there's, where are they going? <laughs> I don't feel like there's a coach out there that when you go to them, maybe a strength, there's some strength coaches that are like this. If you said, oh, how do I grow muscle? It's not like, oh, this is the program. Mm-hmm. Most people say, okay, there's these, there's these principles of growth and there's all these different fucking ways that, and arms that go into this thing that you can go through. How much time do you have at the How much gym? time do you have? What's like, your training yeah. age? Exactly. Yeah. How many days do you want to commit to? Do you want to learn? What's your recovery like? All of those sorts mm-hmm. of things. And then they build something that's suitable for the individual. Yeah. So like everybody builds muscle the same way. Yeah. But the point is that it <laughs> should be the same And everybody loses food. fat the same way. Mm. A calorie deficit. Yeah. Mechanical tension. But it's a strategy. Yep. Yeah. That changes. So yeah, I would agree with Liz. Like, I think you should think about like what your end goal is, whether that be body composition and or lifestyle or both. Mm-hmm. Uh, figure out what you, what's been your crux in the past, what's your kryptonite, and then have a discussion around how do, you, how do we get to the end goal? What do we need to do to start that? And then how do we uh, like mitigate or get around the crux through education mm-hmm. throughout that journey? And then once you set the plan in place, just be process focused as opposed to goal focused. And for people who are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Can you explain that? Uh, so like if you were goal focused, e.g. I want to lose 10 kilos and I still want to be flexible and eat out with my friends. Mm-hmm. Every day that you're not doing that, you would classify your day as a failure. So like you're not 10 kilos heavier tomorrow, therefore you haven't done so well. Uh, but you, you set the goal so that you set the trajectory and then you outline a process that will help get you to the goal. And Eating the process might frequently. be phase one, we're just going to teach you really good food behaviors. These are the food groups that we think you should eat from. We're not going to lose a ton of weight in this first phase because we really want to teach you behaviors. Yeah. So the process to focus on now is I want to set good behaviors. Yes, if see. you do the behaviors, process focused, tick, tick, tick. Next process, next process, next process. Mm. And if you're just uh, happy with nailing the process, then you can give yourself a, a ticket success every day. Yeah, and the outcome will follow. The outcome will follow. The goal will be achieved. Yeah, yeah. but if you're focusing just on the 10 kilogram weight loss, but you're not ticking the boxes. Yeah. How frustrated will you be? You're not going to get there. Mm. <laughs> You're focusing on the wrong thing. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. And that's that. that that's all that. she wrote. That's all she Any wrote. other metaphors? What other there? No, I think that that's a good how to be less shit tip, Dean. It is. We're going to go What's with, with uh, something worth sharing now to wrap it up. What are you sharing? What are you sharing? Have Ooh, you not thought of anything? I thought we were going to share the book. We should do that at the beginning. Okay. I'm going to share, totally stealing this from Dean's the... The coffee snob. I drink Macona, just instant coffee. I like it, guys. Mm. But Dean's been um, watching this guy on YouTube called <laughs> James Hoffman, which is also the name of a Renaissance periodization coach. It is. James Hoffman. Mel, Mel, what's Hoffman? Is that her last name as well? I'm not sure if you changed, to be honest. Oh, anyways, Mel and Dan, both RP <laughs> coaches. Dan. Oh, Mel James. and James, goddamn, uh, got married. So it's yeah. Mel's husband. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to share him. Yeah. What's, what's his part YouTube channel? Uh, just literally James Hoffman. James Hoffman, right. And so he's, he a, does... he's a British man uh-huh. who's a coffee guy. Yeah, and he does all sorts of cool coffee experiments. He's quite scientific, which is probably why we like him. Yes. And I don't know what his background is. but Snobbery <laughs> is his background. But he made this 
coffee from Krispy Kremes. Oh, he got two Krispy Kremes and like mixed it with coffee and made this awesome. I've been wanting he, to do it ever since I've seen it. He steeped them in milk, yeah, and made the milk Krispy Kreme milk, and then made a coffee with an espresso shot. So and it was it was, a, it was a Krispy Kreme latte. It sounds good. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good share. Thank you. He's easy to listen to, old James. I don't care about coffee. I'm like, look, that looks like... He just did an AeroPress series, which was great. Everyone's been... I've been watching James Hoffman maybe for like two or three years. Have you? And He's just fun to watch, even though I don't give a shit. Everybody's been asking, <laughs> asking him what his opinion on the best recipe for an AeroPress. Okay. And it's only now that he's, he's like, for years he said, I'll do one, but it's going to take me a lot. There's a lot to talk about in an AeroPress. And he just did a four-part or a five-part series on an AeroPress. Mm. That's good. Cool. Yeah, it's good. Awesome. What's next? Love it. We're going to Fun go... Fact. I don't have one prepared. I do. I do? Okay, yeah. go on. So, I got a vasectomy, right? Yes, I know. A couple months back. More than a couple. Four. Has and it been four months? Four months. Well, we've only had sex once. Risky business. So the fun fact is, is that there's actually a small percentage of people Mm. where this, I wanted to share this on this podcast because we're human uh, physiology and fitness and all that related. Mm -hmm. So what they do with the vasectomy is they pull out the vas deferens. They just cut your nuts off. No. No? So they make a little incision. They pull the vas deferens out, I believe, which is the tube that goes from where the the sperm are made into the prostate and then out the other side. Oh, out the tip, just the tip. Just the tip. Um, and they cauterize it, so they cut it in half with a, a burning machine. Okay. And then they just push them back in. So the two tubes, the, the one tube is now two. Okay. And they just freely flap within the scrotum. Okay. Right? Really painting a picture here. Now, this is the crazy thing. There's a small percentage of men where those tubes somehow find their way back together. They reattach, and then you get free-flowing sperm back. What the fuck? They reverse their own vasectomy. Yeah, legit. That is bizarre. So that is why some men can actually still, like years down the track, end up getting people pregnant because they are vast. Do you death. know the percentage? Where that- I, I'm going to say it was between one and three, something like that. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Actually, it couldn't be that high because that is still, oh, no, it, was a bit, it was in the one. I think it was in the ones from memory when I read it. That's a lot still. One in every hundred guys. That yeah, I was like, kind of like, why don't, why don't they just clasp it off? Like, there's so many things I think you could do to make sure that never happens. But I think maybe it's just that they want that surgery to be very simple, quick, effective, low pain. And that's the quickest way to do it. And it's also extremely effective. From my experience with having surgeries, they make you sign off. Like if anything goes wrong whatsoever, oh, yeah. you can't sue us. Like they make, they really clear themselves. So I imagine that, um, they don't hate the fact that maybe one in every 100 guys this happens to because then they get paid again to do a second vasectomy. Yeah, but yeah. it's usually not for years too. Mm. So it doesn't, it can't happen very quickly. I think it's usually just years later for whatever reason. Maybe wouldn't, did, wouldn't maybe you did just... too many star jumps or like hit the, <laughs> hit the splits and squash them back together. I don't know what it is. But, you know. <laughs> but if you were that guy and you thought it was impossible for your missus to get pregnant because you have a vasectomy, yeah. then one day she's like, I'm pregnant. Of course you would think she was cheating. 100%. You would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Anyway, that's my fun fact. Fuck, it's a good fun fact. Hmm. Thanks, Dean. The body's amazing. Who do you rather? Uh, I feel like you've got to ask this question. Yeah, I'm asking you. Oh, okay. Would you rather Let never be able to wear a shirt again? So you always have to be topless. Mm-hmm. And that sounds fine because we live in sunny Queensland, but imagine how inappropriate that would be like at a graduation or at a funeral, <laughs> at a wedding, yeah, okay. any form of it. Or- You'd never be allowed into a nice restaurant because they're like, sorry, sir. And you can't even wear thongs in a nice restaurant. 
as a man, get yeah. as a woman. Or never be able to wear undies and shoes. No shoes, no underwear together or no shirt. Yeah. So you're either choosing no shirt and you can wear undies and shoes and whatever else you want. Yeah. Or you're never able to wear undies or shoes. So you always have to be shoeless. Or undies. And, and commando. Oh, that's easy. That one. That one. Yeah. But you hate going shoeless. Yeah, but I could just go undies. No, no, no. No. You're not understanding. Both this would you rather. So both no shoes and no undies yes. together. Yes. Or no shirt. Yes. I'm still going the second option. Really? Yeah, no shirt's just douchebag. I never take my shirt off. You have such a good rig that you should. Nope. <laughs> I won't even not wear my shirt around the house. Why? I don't know. I don't feel... Um, I don't know. Do you feel like I objectify you? No, I, I, <laughs> if anything, I objectify myself and I'm a harsh critic. What? You look in the mirror and you're like, oh, damn. No, I don't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with my shirt off. Don't you? No. Do you, Unless I'm standing in front of people on a stage. You're the most secure man I've ever met. On a stage in my little tidy whities <laughs> So you can't go topless peeled. in the house, but yeah. can go in little tiny. No, but it's kind of the same as like, until I get super, super peeled, I'm not that comfortable putting up progress photos because I just see that it's not peeled yet. No, oh, Dean. But I'm happy. No, I'm, let me get this. I'm very content, very happy, mm -hmm. but I'm not impressed with myself typically until I'm peeled in a contest bro. Outside of a contest prep, that will change. Fair enough. So it's 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 uh, goal specific. I hear you. So so you're comfortable where you're just not impressed with yourself. Depending on the fate, it depends. Like if I think I'm so we're just talking about process versus goal focus. Right? Uh -huh. yep. My goal right now in the next twenty three weeks is to get inside out field. So until I get that, I'm going to be unhappy with the look. Yeah. Right. Um, but I am very process focused, and I know it will happen. So I'm not unhappy with the look. I'm just not satisfied with it yet because it hasn't achieved. The, the goal yet mm. but that's cool because i'm process focused mm. um in the off season i'll be different you know because then i'm like ah, i don't want that physique so then i'll be well, impressed that by physique different. isn't the goal not yeah. i don't want that physique yeah yeah so uh but i, I don't like being shirtless it's weird okay only at the beach cool yeah thanks for sharing dean no worries now guys that's a wrap it is if you liked this podcast please subscribe to our youtube channel yes well if you're watching this already you should definitely subscribe you should be subscribed already. Not necessarily. This may have just popped up on your screen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Subscribe, like, We'd comment. We'd love for you to leave us a review. Is it on iTunes? Yes, iTunes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're on all platforms though. Well, when you say we're, we're not definitely not on like, um, well, we're not on Grindr, that's for sure. No, all I was going to say. Podcast platform. Oh, podcast platform. Okay. Hmm. My bad. <laughs> so follow us on Instagram, but do we post on Facebook? Ah, uh, sometimes. Look, we're most active on Instagram or my Tinder account. So mm. follow me on Tinder. Leggy Lizzie. <laughs> oh, I feel bad if there's actually a Leggy Lizzie on Tinder and everyone's everyone's gone to follow. Yeah, so like, comment, subscribe, share, take a screenshot, tag us. Yeah, tag Flex underscore success. That would be very much appreciated. Share the love. Share the love. And don't forget, shit 20. Oh, yeah, shit 20. For the month of May. <laughs> All right, you have to go ahead and make that <laughs> discount code. I'll make that now. Bye, peeps. Thanks, everyone.